listening to the Super Week Super Weekly Supercast. I'm your host, Evan. And I am your host, Doc Chris Beck Levo Bag. And I am your host, Mikey Paul Jonathan Davis Tashjian. Today we have a very special guest hailing from Birmingham, Alabama. My name is Tyler Long, and I play bass and hop along. Oh, you've usurped Ooh. my intro. Yes, that's Tyler Long, and from his namesake, Hop Along. That's a goof I always have in my own head. I pretend they named the band after you. <laughs> they named before they even met me. Well, I like to think that your name had something to do I, with it. That's what I mean. Well, it was faded. That was part of your audition process, Premonition. right? Didn't they have like 15, 20 bass players whose mm-hmm. last name was Long? To see who was the right fit. Half of them weren't even musicians. <laughs> yeah, Howie Long auditioned for it. Famous <laughs> sports commentator and former pro football player. Can't believe he didn't make it. Well, he didn't have the chops. You know, Tyler has the uh, the true base skills of his destiny. I did not that first show. Oh, wait. Tell us no. about that. Do you tell. What do you mean? Oh, it was bad. I think I got asked to play the show that was on a Saturday on a Tuesday. And I think we had one practice. And someone came up to Mark at the show and said, your bass player sucks. <laughs> when was this? 2009. Is that a show? show in Baltimore. Oh, man. That was your trial by fire into the band? That's how you joined Hop Along? (laughs) They were like, you have five days to figure out how to play bass on our songs. Here you go. Yep. Here's the CD. Figure it out. Do you remember who that person was? Oh, no. Just someone at the show. Well, as the legend goes, I think it was a deeply bitter Howie Long. It was vengeance (laughs) for not getting picked to be in the band. (laughs) Probably. He did have a soul patch. Wow. No, wait, that's Howie Mandel. <laughs> oh, damn it. I don't know. That's Howie Long's a sports guy, right? Yeah. 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 Howie Mandel is the guy who put the uh, medical glove on his head and he'd blow right, up with his right, nose right. and he blew out his uh, sinuses or something by doing that. <laughs> and he hosted um, the suitcase show. What, yeah. What's that called? <laughs> I don't know, people. Let's make a deal. What's it called? Deal or no deal. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I know who you're talking about now. Why <laughs> is he known for putting a glove on his head and blowing it up? As part of his stand-up routine. He's a stand-up comedian. Why mm. was he hosting Deal or No Deal? These are was that great a funny questions show? of the universe here. Has anyone watched Deal or No Deal? No. I think we're all under 75 here, so there's no reason for us to watch it. I feel like... They just want someone who's going to make America laugh. They need the the charisma of a host. But anyway, speaking of charisma, let's get back to the very charismatic Tyler Long. Yeah. So yeah. obviously things picked up after that first show. Because you've had so. a very strong and long part in the uh, double entendre <laughs> tenure with Hopalong. Yeah. But you go way back before that, with Mark at the very least, before that audition, right? Or before that first show? Yeah. I met him and, man, I was maybe like a senior in high school. We played some shows together. Like the guy... I I was playing music with worked with Mark's bandmate, his kind of counterpart to me. So like they were like the older guys and we played some shows together. Mark was way too cool for me. And I say that with love because he will absolutely admit that. But yeah, no, we've been friends for a very long time. You know, it's funny. I actually thought that you guys knew each other for even longer than that for some reason. I mean, your bond is so strong. I assume that there was like a prequel Hop Along Babies scenario, like uh, like a Muppet <laughs> Babies kind of thing. Oh, I, that'd be amazing. <laughs> no, I mean, he was three years older than me. So like if I met him my senior year, he would have been 20, 21 already. You know, he was a guy that lived in Philly. He would come up to the suburbs for shows. And- oh, wow. So then you were like being summoned up from on high into that friendship together, I guess. I guess so. I think... I think we really became friends like maybe like the year before I moved to Philly. I kind of kept coming down to Philly for shows from the suburbs. So Wait, I guess that begs the question. What suburbs were you living in? Pennsburg, Pennsylvania. I lived there most of the time and also Pottstown, Pennsylvania, which they're both about an hour outside of Philly. My brother and his wife, they used to live in Pottstown. They've not since moved further out west, but oh, yeah. yeah, I've spent some time in Pottstown. Man, I didn't know you were from there. I lived there twice. Well, <laughs> I grew up in Pennsburg and then like fresh out of high school, like to move out as soon as I possibly could. I moved to Pottstown to live with a 
friend and then I moved back to Pennsburg in a different house and then I moved back to Pottstown one more time with another friend. Wow, they just kept pulling you back in. And then got dropped off in Philly one day. <laughs> well, what was the final thing that brought you to Philly? <laughs> I was living in a house that was foreclosed and didn't have electricity or water in <laughs> Pottstown. Tyler, you're the most punk person we've had on this podcast so far. <laughs> I, I, that's not the last time that I lived in a structure without water. <laughs> But then, yeah, I just like got dropped off in Philly at a friend's house at Kevin DeFranco's house with Kevin one day. And he got me a job and I just stayed at that house for three years. Wow. Yeah. You make this sound like you were in a claw machine and they just picked you up and dropped you into Philadelphia. That was the whole process. I agreed to help someone's dad move. And then me and Kevin DeFranco were like helping our friend Paul's dad move. And then, yeah, I just like went back to Philly with Kevin that wasn't supposed to be permanent. And then it was. I just started sleeping on his couch for like a month until someone moved out, I think. And then I got a room or I lived in the basement for a little while. I forget. But then I got a job like within a week of living there. So I was like, I guess I'm staying here. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Very organic kind of uh, growth, <laughs> like a barnacle on the ship. And you became a crew member. In a exactly. Way. Yeah, <laughs> just crawled my way up to the side of the ship. Yeah, yeah, some real Davy Jones kind of stuff going on there. That's good. I feel like that's like a rare series of events, you know, where you got a job immediately. I feel like usually the series of events is like, oh, yeah, you know, I was in the city and then I stayed on this couch for seven months. And then I got a job because they were like, look, you can't stay on my couch for seven months. You got to just get a job and have a place to live and stuff. And then that person's like, okay. And that's what I feel like the usual story I hear about how people ended up in different places is pretty impressed by uh, your motivation to exist as a human. I mean, it was probably like, I'll let you sleep on the couch if I get you this job. And you, I don't know that I paid rent for the first like month or anything because I was sleeping on a couch, but it was like a wicker couch too. Remember that? Wait, <laughs> what is a wicker couch? Like a wicker, like a wicker chair, but a couch. Yeah. They make couches like that? I feel like that wouldn't be stable. Enough. It had like one of those like patio style cushions on it, but it was in oh, the living Oh, so it didn't have cushions. Kind of. <laughs> Probably weren't very long. Well, is I'm that, not very long that, myself. I'm only 5'6". Come on. Hold on. We have to make a commitment to not just make a bunch of long puns for the rest <laughs> yeah, of this episode. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> Sorry. Don't it's stop. It's my last name. I'm used to it. Do you get people making jokes about your name often? It's been a long time. Oh my god. Oh my god. Look at him go. <laughs> it's a common word, people. <laughs> well, you probably find yourself longing for better. But it has lines. been oh, no. an extended It really period. didn't take oh, long. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Just barely heard that one. <laughs> We're idiots. <laughs> I love it. I like listening to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Honestly, man, your sense of humor is one of my favorites. There's a memory that I will revisit whenever I think about you. It was during that brief window of time where you were playing in a band that I actually forgot that I had until we started this podcast called Velvet Elvis. Oh, yeah. We practiced a couple times. Yeah, like maybe four or five times, yeah. zero shows. But there was a night after we had rehearsed together and we were going to a show at Kung Fu Necktie. And you and I, we rode our bikes up and we were riding down Girard Avenue, or maybe we just had just turned on the front street. And you turned to me as we were riding side by side and you were, and you said, whoa, check this out. And then you like turned yourself forward and you ripped this massive fart and threw your head back and sped up as fast as you could, <laughs> pretending that it was propelling you forward. And you screamed, you're like, whoa! <laughs> oh, good I almost Lord. fell off my bike. It was, oh my God, I love that so much. I can't say I remember that, but it does sound like something I would have done a long time ago. 
It stuck with me. <laughs> or yesterday. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I would have loved to be there for that. Oh, yeah. You've put away such childish fart humor, and now you are uh, you make <laughs> jokes about nitro brews and things like that. <laughs> yeah, I have like a motor scooter now, and that joke just wouldn't fly on it. <laughs> well, I guess you'd have to rip a much louder fart to get over <laughs> the tin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not shamed. <laughs> have a long fart. <laughs> But anyway, as we found, like, I, know, I know Francis was talking about this a lot on their episode, that they had just had Hop Along as their primary project for their whole music career. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to think of other bands that you were in in Philly, and it wasn't occurring to me because Hop Along has such like a massive presence. Those galloping hordes. I was in that band. That was before I moved to Philly. Once I moved to Philly, that band kind of kept going without me. Those galloping hordes. <laughs> that's, that's what I got. <laughs> So yeah, you were a dedicated, you were a one-band man, I suppose. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I tried to do multiple things. Like, I never had like the mental ability to really do more than one thing. I don't know why. Well, I wouldn't say that. I remember one of my earliest memories of you was how you managed to not only be in very busy band Hopalong, you were also the manager of a Jimmy John's. I was. Oh yeah, which didn't take a lot of God, mental ability. I forgot that you worked at the Jimmy John's directly oh, yeah. next door to where I worked. Uh-huh. He ran that Jimmy John's. I ran. You were the, a shift manager. Well, <laughs> I ran the night shift. Yeah, you ran Ugh. it for half the day. Deal with drunk Ivy League kids. Ugh, the worst. <laughs> the worst. Oh my goodness. We've gotten to them a bit with Evans working at Capajira, yeah. as he just mentioned. But what was your experience there? Any? Uh, Drunken Ivy League kids of note. Like famous people? Or just memories that pop out to you. Wait, are there famous people? I knew a couple like kids of famous people. Oh, dish. Oh man, they're... I'll tell a story. This guy's not listening. <laughs> the son of Sybil Shepherd went to Penn while I was working there. And he used to come in all the time. He was just like really quiet and got the same sandwich all the time. I, I don't know why I ever really even noticed him because he was in there all the time by himself. And then I was reading one of those like tabloid mags that like a roommate of mine had a subscription to for some reason. And it was like celebrity kids gone wrong. And I was flipping through the pages and I saw his face. And I was like, whoa. And I looked up who it was. Like I saw that it was like Sybil Shepherd's kid. And he had been arrested at the Philadelphia airport for apparently, I guess, going through people's purses on a plane when he was coming back to school and was like stealing shit out of people's purses. Wow. Oh, Not yeah. really like a worthwhile... <laughs> No thing to get like, caught and, for, and that was like next to like Michael Douglas's kid who was like dealing drugs or something. But like apparently stealing stuff out of people's purses was gone wrong. But yeah, it was it's amazing. Pretty mild by comparison. It's pretty mild, but it was still very funny. And then I brought in to show a coworker, and the next time he came in, the coworker like pretended to be reading that issue of the magazine, and he never came back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was, oh no! We, like we thought it'd be charming and funny. Like, oh, buddy, it's okay. <laughs> He did not find it funny. He was embarrassed, yeah. I guess. Oh, no. I don't know how to feel now. I feel like, is that bad? Did you guys do bad? I couldn't <laughs> have possibly cared less. <laughs> or did that kid do bad? Uh, you know. Or did you serve justice as Batman would have? I don't know. It's a good question. Wait, are you envisioning a scenario where, like, Batman is waiting at a diner and the Joker <laughs> walks in and he's reading a tabloid where, like, Joker caught down with his pants. Or- <laughs> I fucked that up. Uh, caught Joker down caught his pants. pants down again. <laughs> caught down with his pants. And the Joker's like, oh, I've been defeated. And he walks away, never to be seen again. <laughs> you know what? To be fair, in some of the early Silver Age issues of Batman, there was is a incredible headline within one of the panels where it says Joker commits boner crimes. 
What oh, the? God. Well, at that time, the word boner just meant a mistake and not an erection. So it was a common thing like throughout comics. There's a, a great panel of like Spider-Man swinging a few decades later, but a similar era where he's just like, can't get caught doing another boner again. And he's just like swinging through the frame. Oh my God, you're right. Joker pulls boner of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Batman pulls boner at own lecture. Yeah. Stung by his boner, Joker lashes back. Wow, they really... Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, I pulled my boner. Oh, my God. This is amazing. I'm so glad. It ages like a fine wine. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that this was a thing. Now, if you guys just want to have boner punchlines, it's... Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. I'll show them how many boners the Joker can make. <laughs> That's well, you remember what was what was that show? Show me that smile again. What is that? Growing pains. Mm -hmm. There was a character on that show whose name was Boner, and that was as you know as late as the early nineties. And like you couldn't say the word Boner on network television now, right? That was yeah, Especially that was as a character name. Surely a word for an erection by then. Yeah, exactly. And that was a show starring a famed Christian psycho. What's his name? Kirk, Kirk Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, and he was acting across from his best friend Boner. So it was an interesting time to be alive. <laughs> Wait, he's a Christian psycho? Oh, yeah, big time. He's like a big purveyor of like conspiracy theories and like checkmate. What's the, the phrase? Checkmate atheists? That's a big Kirk Cameron thing. Ugh. Yeah, he makes a lot of films that are like weird Christian propaganda. There's one that's called God's Not Dead, starring Kevin Sorbo, who you might remember from being Hercules in mm -hmm. the show Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, where he is like some sort of anti-theist professor of some kind, and he gets checkmated by his students, and they prove that God's still alive or something? I don't know. I haven't actually seen it. I've just read the Wikipedia summary like four or five times because oh. it is incredible. Sounds uninteresting. I don't even know what you just said. <laughs> anyway, this isn't a Kevin Sorbo interview. We're talking to Tyler. Who is Kevin Sorbo? <laughs> Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. Yeah. What From, the like, hell is the that? WB or whatever that was on? Yeah, It was like the like counterpart that. to like, wasn't it like... Xena. Yeah. Xena, yeah. It was like Xena, Hercules, that whole universe. There were some incredible crossover episodes between Xena, Warrior Princess, and Hercules. Oh, this dude is a fucking honk. <laughs> He's Damn. a honk for Christ. Zordaz. Oh yeah, there's Lucy Lawless. Zardoz. Zardoz? <laughs> that was Sean Connery, and that was probably 30 years prior, but similar vibe. Lots of exposed hairy chests and things like Although I guess he was kind of like uh, waxed and buttered up pretty good. He was a, an oily, shaven man. God, I hope they used butter. Well, that's all they had back then, right? It was, yeah, they didn't uh, have like the baby oil. It was oil. fucking butter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, butter damn it. Kevin Sorbo's canceled. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know why, but I'm not surprised. Uh, he was supporting the uh, Antifa theory. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, you know, Antifa was the ones who stormed the Capitol. Well, yeah, and I think he, like, he was doing like a play-by-play -play that day. He was like, this is the most American thing to do. Yeah, this is 19 1776. And then as soon as it got violent, he was like, it's Antifa. Okay. Oh, my God. Lucy Lawless calling him out. Go, Lucy. Hell, yeah. I love Lucy Lawless. Anyone with a name Lawless is just cool as hell. Yeah, that's fair. And speaking of Spider-Man, the alliterative aspect too, you know, like a Peter Parker kind of Lucy Lawless thing. She's ready to have her own comic book. Somebody out there, please make a Lucy Lawless comic book. Vigilante Justice, Lucy Lawless. <laughs> Vigilante Twitter Justice, yeah. <laughs> Back to Tyler Long. Tyler Lawless. But yeah, speaking of you moving from place to place early on, you're now no longer a Philadelphia resident as a, it's been a few years now, right? You're in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, I moved in 2018, so coming up on three years. 
Time flies. How do you like it down there? That's great. Politics aside, it's, it's wonderful. It's spacious. It feels a little easier to breathe down here. The concrete thing was kind of getting to me a little while. Personally, if I'm in the woods for too long, I'm, I'm ready to have a panic attack. I need to see a piece <laughs> of sidewalk or some bricks piled up. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm still in a neighborhood. I'm not quite in the woods. I do have like two trees in the backyard, but. Whoa, we have two trees in our neighborhood. So that's a pretty good stack you have going on there. Tyler's within walking distance to what I would consider the center of town of Birmingham that I care about. Which is? Not the center of town, but Saturn. <laughs> Oh, the Saturn of town. Yeah, like the Avondale neighborhood where like 41st Street has a bunch of bars on it. Saturn is one venue and then across the street is like a brewery that has a big outdoor venue. The barbecue spot. It's a good little little corner. Plenty of places to get lunch around. Cute little neighborhood. When I first went to Philadelphia, I was blown away because I grew up in North Jersey, so I was only used to New York City. And when Mm -hmm. I first came to Philadelphia to look at Drexel when I went to college, they're like, okay, we're here. And I'm like, we're where? What do you mean? We're, this is a city? Then I moved here and I was like, okay, I guess this is a city. I can cope with that. And then I started touring and then I go to Birmingham and I'm like, wait, this is also a city? (laughs) As I go tour the country, you know, like cities get smaller and smaller and like Birmingham, I'm like, damn, this is like almost less crowded than the suburb that I grew up in. It's like more spacious, more spread out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like downtown is with the big buildings, you know, it's like six, seven blocks long and then it spreads back out. Well, that's one of my favorite things about visiting Atlanta is that it very much feels like a city, but their skyline is so incredibly spread out, but there's like Uh two points on the city limits where you can look at it, where you get an angle where it looks like all of those skyscrapers are directly next to each other, just from like the forced perspective of it. Yeah. And then, of course, whenever you're walking around the city, it's a way more spread out metropolitan area, unlike Philadelphia or New York. Yeah, no, I love like when I first started touring around the country, like seeing just how small these cities I grew up hearing about are. Like, I didn't think everything was as big as Philly, but like going to like Omaha for the first time. Oh, this is kind of just like a, a wide town. <laughs> That's nothing to say anything <laughs> bad about it. I very much enjoy going to Omaha, but like something like that, like realizing like, oh, you can have a city and still have a yard. Super interesting to me. And now I have that and I live in a city. You're having it all. It's possible. I have it all. Well, what was your favorite city on tour then? Oh, I, I mean, don't... if you have like Tyler Long yard scale, which city has the best yards by your calculations? I was always really attracted to like the the like tri-cities in North Carolina, the like Raleigh-Durham thing. When we would stay with people, people always had awesome three-bedroom houses with wooded properties. And they were like 10 minutes from a city center. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, that is a really cool area down there. And also they like (laughs) tend to be 10 minutes from the woods. Exactly. Really pretty. But now you're not even that far away from there. I mean, I think we're probably about the same distance. Yeah, Yeah, I guess you're right. Probably like eight hours or so. Well, then I guess we know where we have to meet up when we're going to do our uh, our halfway lunch date once we're all vaccinated. (laughs) Exactly. I actually know many really good vegan restaurants in the Tri-Cities there, Chris. Oh, give them to me. List them off. Well, I'm not going to list them (laughs) off right now because I don't know them off the top of my head. But if if we were there, I remember there's a spot called Luna that we went to. When I went down there to go see the Des Arc reunion, there's a spot called Luna that I went to with Amay and folks. There's also this really amazing African restaurant that we went to that had a lot of really cool vegan food as well. That's just for the lunch day. We'll have to make that day all about me when we go down. (laughs) Finally getting my due. Well, Tyler, what have you been up to this past year in quarantine since you aren't able to tour and stuff? Like, what have you been doing? 
been working at my day job, which is at night at my friend's bar. <laughs> and then, man, I don't know, just kind of hiking a lot with my partner, Madison. And Wednesday, of course. And Wednesday. Well, if it's not too hot out, because she's a pug, so she'll overheat. Oh, no. She can make it like half a mile. Oh, you don't have like a little pug pouch, like a pug bindle you can throw the pup in? <laughs> We tried that. She was not a fan. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mom has a, a hilarious six-pound dog. I don't know specifically what breed she is, but she has like a purse that she brings her around in, like a mesh purse. I guess they don't make a pug-sized one of those. If I remember correctly, it was like a basket almost that you wear like a backpack forward, but it like ends up being like this weird basket and she would not sit still. So that didn't work out. Oh, well, I mean, you should just, you know, show her the way. You slept on your wicker basket of a couch for seven True. months. Yeah. You know? <laughs> This is the initiation that any of your family members have to go through, human or otherwise. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, I've just been doing that and yeah, working, trying to fiddle around on guitar and keyboards and recording 30-second pieces of music, if you want to call it that, and that'll never see the light of day. Why not? You know, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. You're an incredible musician. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's not for me to decide, but yeah, it's also not for you to decide that the music you make is good either. Cause it is probably really great and you should let me hear it. This is, I feel like this is also a theme on every episode we ever have is everyone's <laughs> like, Oh man, I just don't like this music and I'm never going to show anyone. And I'm just like, please let me hear it. I mean, I don't necessarily do it to ever release it. It is just like, I want to get better at all the instruments I have available to me. So it's really just that it's like writing a guitar part and then seeing if I could write a good piano or organ part to it. Well, Tyler on the song, we're going to, listen to today you played the drums did i yeah (laughs) yeah you did (laughs) all right this is actually the first one of these this is one of the ones that we did not release during the initial run of our song a week project and this has been in the archives for almost a decade now and we've gone back to do the minimal amount of overdubs that are required to make it a completed song so this is the debut of a song called quit it Wild. I don't remember playing drums. Well, Tyler, did you <laughs> did you not play drums in the, those galloping hordes? I did. Right, because I remember when we met you and when Ponies and Hopalong would play together and we'd all hang out and stuff. Obviously, you know, we would see you play bass most of the time and you played bass on a bunch of Song a Week songs that we've already aired. But yeah, I just remember you were like, yeah, I play drums. And I'm like, all right, well, let's freaking have you play some drums. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. I thought of you as a drummer because I knew you played drums in a band previously. Oh, man. Yeah, Tyler, I am really excited for you to hear this because you probably haven't heard this since you recorded drums on it. Probably not then. I'm excited too. You probably haven't heard what this song even is. I don't think I've heard a recording of me playing drums. Ever? Oh, Oh, no, just like a long time. Oh, okay. I had recordings of my old bands where I played drums, but I haven't heard of them in a long time. This will be interesting. I used to think I was a good drummer. We'll find out. I think you're a pretty good drummer. (laughs) I think you you are, or at the very least you were, yeah. You know, like at sound checks and stuff, like Mark will ask me to play something so he can hear it out front. And I sit down and it feels so foreign to me now. Like I feel like I look like an idiot trying to hold sticks now. feel very uncomfortable behind a drum kit. Well, that's Marky's drum kit, though. It's set up for Marky. I think you got to get back into it. I have one here, like one of Madison's old kits, and I don't have enough pieces to actually like set it up, but I've been thinking about trying it again. Do you have neighbors that it would bother or like? Oh, yeah. Uh. Oh. <laughs> one of our rooms is kind of like my studio. There's plenty of space to set up. It's just like it's a 100-year-old house. There is absolutely no sound protection. Wow, 100 years old. Like I don't even want to get studio monitors because I don't want the neighbors to hear stuff that I'm recording. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. 
I kind of treat it like an apartment. But it's not like a row home type thing, right? No, it's not it, connected. It's separate. There's probably a good 20, 10, 20 feet between houses, but I'm pretty sure they would hear everything. Well, you're a longstanding punk. I mean, do the old move where you just throw up a bunch of old mattresses old over mattresses, the windows. Yeah. It's no problem. You got it. <laughs> Should we take a listen? Yeah. I've been working hard at my shift all day. She's been talking backwards and I feel the It sounds like my kick drum doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> There's like no consistency. <laughs> you were vibing. You were vibing I, the song out. Yeah. yeah, that was the problem. I do remember <laughs> like, I I do remember back like when I was younger, like I didn't play drums in the way that you're supposed to that because I didn't know like that it was like a backbone thing. I always played like kind of more musically. And so that was probably me after playing with Mark and realizing, oh, drums are a consistent backbone and not necessarily a musical 
activities. Well, you're not alone in that sort of exploratory expressiveness happening with your foot. Mikey is very much part of that tradition before he became part of the uh, kind of Dave Grohl school of rock drumming. So I I think it's something that all young drummers go through. Surf around all over the place. Yeah, like it's like about the hands and the hand drums and the cymbals. And you just think about the kick as like where your foot goes. And so you feel it differently sometimes. Yeah, you never know. That's just how the song goes that time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, also, I will say that I don't remember if Mike Bell, who played bass on this song, was there when we were writing or recording this. I have a feeling that it was probably just you and I messing around in my room. Yeah. Because... That's a lot of how these songs came about, especially the era that we're getting into now. Like the next five songs haven't ever been released to the wild and because they're, they're all unfinished. And I just know that a lot of these started as me and whoever was playing the drums in my room with just like me doing rhythm guitar, them doing drums. So like no bass is yeah. even thought about. Yeah, because the bass and the drums don't match up. Right. <laughs> it's fine. The song's great. It's just, I was not playing to a bass. Mike's also just playing just like straight eighth notes sure. on the bass the whole time too. So you kind of can get away with the kick drum doing whatever it wants anyway. I mean, also, you know, we used four mics on the drums. We just did overheads, kick and snare and like yeah. kept it pretty simple. And I think it came out great. Yeah. It sounds like that's all I played too. It's not like I didn't even play any toms or anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's the Glenn Johns technique. Yeah. There like on every Led Zeppelin record. That's just we're not every, but many Led Zeppelin songs. There's only four microphones on those drums and maybe like a distant room mic. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, well, you know, it's just highlighting a great player. No wow. studio trickery. Just four mics getting the good stuff. Yeah. I do remember playing that in your bedroom now because I remember thinking that my old 20-inch Peisty ride was broken and then realizing you or someone at the studio had the exact same one and it was that one that was broken. But I don't care now because I sold it to you all anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that Ludwig our, kit. Our like, inaugural Big Mama's kit. Yeah, you sold us our first drum kit for that was officially ours for the recording studio. Thank you. Yeah, you helped me put a security deposit on my house. But thank you. Oh, we must have timed it perfectly because we forgot to pay you for like three years. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Well, no, I think that's when I was like, hey, did you still want to buy that? Because I'm moving and I could use a first and a security deposit, please. And it was the exact amount, so it's fine. That's well, I'm great. glad we could give you the first seed money towards adulthood so you weren't sleeping on another wicker couch for seven months exactly. while you're trying to move into your adult home. But that would be strange with a partner and two cats to be sharing a bed, but sharing a couch. Well, everybody say. gets their own couch. I guess, you know, two additional small couches for each cat, you know, you can work it out. <laughs> then I got to buy cat couches. Ugh, got to sell something else. <laughs> Do you have like a, a vintage pasty symbol as well? Yeah. That's the best sounding crash. Oh, it's, I know. This one sounded amazing. I wonder where they went. I don't know. Where did they go? <laughs> Our gear is in a jumble in another studio right now. So once we find it, we'll go through and catalog everything and we'll send you photos like we're doing some sort of like museum collection or something. Well, we definitely have the Ludwig kit. I mean, that yeah. is like, I maintain the shit out of that thing. I, you know, that was like lost in the depths of the warehouse garage as mm-hmm. things tend to do. And I pulled it out and we cleaned it up and it became the house kit at Mama's for like until we had to leave the space. And even still now, I still use it at Kylie's. It's a great sounding kit. One of my favorite to play. I've got to play it at the spaghetti warehouse. What's that place? Union Transfer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Played it on stage there. Your old kit. It's the it's nice. kind of the sound of our studio. It's made it on quite a few records. If I remember correctly, I think the date is on the Tom. I think it's coming up on it's like 64th birthday. Holy moly. It's like April something, 1967. That'd be 54th, I think. 54th, whatever. (laughs) That sounds about right, because I played it on its 40th birthday. Oh, awesome. I think you're right. 
I don't know. I love that kit. As far as the symbols go, though, the boy, I don't know. There's just like yeah. when we were moving out of the warehouse, there was just like shredded symbol bags all oh, over yeah. the place with just like these symbols that might as well have been decomposing. Plus, there was no markings on. I mean, I'm sure there was like a symbol. There's like a little stamp on them. Yeah, I remember it, and I'm pretty sure that's what we used yeah. on this. Got paired with a kick drum. Oh, my God. It had, like, a perfect Just, wash on it. I feel it in my plums. Well, speaking of Big Mamas and, uh, you know, the chaos that was within, Tyler, what was your first memory of Big Mama's Warehouse? I think I went to a show there, like, that area that became the studio in, like, 2008. It was very crowded. Oh, so right at the very beginning. Which yeah, show yeah. was it? I couldn't tell you. It was, like, kind of rowdy, but I don't remember... Who played? Because like I don't think I went necessarily for the bands. I think I just I happened to be coming to Philly for the weekend and let's go to the show at this new warehouse where Scrizzy lives or something like that. Oh yeah. So did yeah. you know Scrizzy and them beforehand? I know you have a make me tattoo, I which do. I thought when I first met you, I was like, this guy's the coolest fucking guy I've ever met in my <laughs> life. He has a make me tattoo and like growing up in New Jersey in high school, listening to make me, you know, I was like, oh my God, that's so fucking cool that this guy knows this weird, obscure band from New Jersey that I love who, you know, then eventually yeah. I met Scrizzy and I was like, wait, what the fuck you were in make me? I love make me. Yeah. It, when, when I met Scrizzy, he was like, wait, what the fuck? You're the guy with the make me tattoo. <laughs> like, I, you know, obviously I went to the last show and like, Make Me was friends with like Mark and his music partner, Danny. And I was friends with Danny and Mark. So like, I don't know if Danny or Mark or someone told Scrizzy that I had it. He just remembered that there was someone that had a Make Me tattoo. I think it's so cool. I also love that little design. I oh, yeah. love it. I remember asking Scrizzy about it and he was like, yeah, I don't know. Just like this dude in Italy wanted to draw a little thing for our, for our CD. Like it wasn't like the band had really had anything to do with it. Just fine. It's a weird little squiggly thing. Yeah, it's awesome. I wonder if that the dude from Italy was like one of the dudes from Rain or any of those like screamo bands. Yeah, it was a band I had heard of. Like, I think they did a split with them maybe. Oh, but like I'm trying to remember the name of the band. They did a split with them. What was the band that they did the split with? It might not have been Black a split, Juju. But... They did a split with Black mm. Juju. Are they Italian? I don't. <laughs> I definitely don't remember. <laughs> this is like 2004, 2005 we're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think the last show was what, 2006? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I guess I was out of high school. By when then. we get to the Scrizzy episode, we'll have to talk and ask him. Oh, man, that's so cool. I loved that band so much. I I'd like lost all the music I had by them, but I found it on YouTube. Some like Screamo guy put them up still so good they also have it up for free download on um Bandcamp. oh good to know we'll link it in the episode if anyone wants to hear some really fucking good screamo from uh new jersey in 2004 so good also around that time i was listening to a little band called hop along queen ansley's no i was too (laughs) (laughs) what's funny is i like i knew mark by then I didn't know that it was Mark's sibling really yeah i was borrowing a friend's ipod it was on shuffle and a song came up and it was Awesome. And I looked up who it was. I was like, oh, cool, cool. I'll keep listening to that album. It wasn't even freshman year. It was like, it's like a nautical themed EP. I can't remember the name of it. Is it pre-freshman year? Maybe. Oh, I'd have to ask Frank about that. Yeah, I think Francis mentioned that on, on their episode that they were trying to kind of bury this record. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. It was great. We were all demanding to hear it and uh, we still haven't gotten our hands on it. This yet. was so the pre-freshman year record? Holy moly. I, I don't know that it, it might have been something they put out after freshman year. I'm not sure. Well, were you on Is Something Wrong? No, Get to Someone was the first thing I was on. Okay. Oh, I thought you were on Wretches. Who played on Wretches? Maybe Joe Baldacci. 
And then we recorded oh. it. I think he might have played bass on because he played bass for a couple shows, or at least one show I saw him play bass for at the Ox, I think. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Oh, here I see it uh, on the Wikipedia here. Songs of the Sea. Songs of the Sea. I've never even heard of this. It's great. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I am going to have to illegally download this on the internet somehow. <laughs> I'm just telling you that now, Frank, because I know you're yeah, not going to send if, it to if me. They're not going to let you have it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> well, I guess Tyler. Speaking of these these early memories, that begs the question: what, what was the first time that you met Frank? Do you remember? I remember the first time we hung out. It was when my old band, Those Galloping Hearts, played Danger Danger, and they came to the show. And I remember being like, "Oh, cool! I'm hanging out with Francis from Hopalong," <laughs> which is funny because I was probably only like six months before I moved to Philly and joined the band. I know I had met them before that. Probably at Mark's house, like when they they all lived together, but probably just briefly. Yeah, speaking of basement apartments, yeah, of course, when Francis was living in Mark's basement at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they had just moved up from Baltimore by then. Is that like some sort of precursor or some sort of um, requirement for joining Hopalong is that you've had to stay in somebody's basement as, a, as your apartment for a period of time? Yeah. I honestly think I was still living on the couch when I played that first show. Wow. I don't even know that like me living in Philly was meant to be permanent yet. Well, yeah, I guess that's a pretty good deciding factor to make you want to stick yeah, around. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'll band. stay. That's that awesome. I'll yeah. stay for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of your many talents and the fact that you are able to juggle a lot of things at once, you've also done a lot of tech stuff on touring mm-hmm. too. I'm, I'm blanking on the name. It's a, a Canadian band, right? That you were doing the yeah, guitar tech? Wolf, Wolf Parade. Wolf Parade, thank yeah. you. Yeah, and you had done some pretty major tours with them as well. Didn't, didn't you do uh, an Arcade Fire tour yeah, with the, them? Yeah, the first two legs i went out with them was supporting arcade fire so it was like arena tour so that was a learning curve oh right i remember yeah because like arcade fire played a show on that tour where they played at the wells fargo center mm-hmm. but i think were you not there that night i, w- I wasn't there because we couldn't do basically in between canada and atlanta because that was going to be the headliner a couple months later so we couldn't do those support days so the first mm-hmm. leg was like ottawa and montreal and like some other you know a few other places for like a week then we started again like two weeks later in atlanta guess like went out atlanta florida out to texas that's an extensive tour still, even skipping those major parts of the yeah, U.S., but that kind of gives you a really unique perspective as a performer, then also as a tech person behind the scenes mm-hmm. for like a large, because like, you've done the arena tours with Hopalong as well. Like, How does that tour experience kind of differ from those two sides for you? Well, I mean, yeah, we had done some arena shows with Modest Mouse. They were still like such a tight crew. They had two buses, which at the time was a lot to me. I was like, wow, they have two buses, one for crew and for band, but like... It was that and a semi, and it was just like a tight-knit group of people. So they got to know everyone. And then when I did the arcade fire, that was like big arenas where it was six buses and like 13 semis. What? And <laughs> yeah, it was 64 crew Holy people. shit. Yeah. And then being in charge of like the band I was working for, like I had to every morning at like 11. Oh, so the first leg was just in a sprinter because it was all hour and a half drives. The second leg was in a bus. So like that was my first time in a, on a bus tour and having to like wake up at like 10 Get in there, find the stage manager, this guy named Phil, who was mean as could possibly be. Uh, had to find him, see if I could wrangle some stage hands by noon. I, I had to learn everything on the fly, which was super fun. And I got yelled at a lot by Phil. Was Phil part of that tour? Yeah, he was our Arcade Fire's like, stage manager at the time. I think he later got fired. Probably oh, for being no. a mean jerk. Well, he was really mean until the last day. And then he was like one of those guys that was like, without saying it, you could tell he was like, I was mean because I had to be. And I mean, it kept us on schedule. There was no time to like fuck around. But like the last day, he was really nice. And he said that we were the easiest support band he's ever worked with. And I was like, <laughs> you could have let me know that. So my anxiety wasn't through the roof every damn morning. I could borrow five <laughs> stagehands to move some gear from the from a quarter mile down the parking lot. We showed up that first day oh with the bus God. and their crew hadn't told the parking people that we had a bus. So we had to park 
really far away. Oh, so you had to shuttle your equipment by hand. Oh yeah. From the and, bus to the and venue. For whatever reason, we didn't have a trailer. So everything went in the bays. And yeah, I had to Whoa. stuff the bays of the bus with gear, all in flight cases, all like rental gear. Sometimes I would get like five college interns to help me push the gear half a mile through a parking lot. Oh my God. Sounds kind of wild. They needed to park their 13 semi somewhere, but it was also on a bus. I can't really complain. That was the coolest thing ever. I could eat breakfast while we were moving. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah, we not to mention too, like getting to have your own. I imagine bunk on the bus mm-hmm. too, and your own. I mean, we've never had a bus of our own, obviously. Yeah. But when we toured with Modern Baseball in the UK, they had a bus, and one of my favorite parts of it was waking up extremely early while we were still on the road, like to watch the sunrise. They had like a dome. Oh on the yeah, front it was of the like bus. those European ones. It was like crossland things. The double decker. Mm-hmm. And just to see the sunrise while we're going down the highway was just such like a magical feeling of being on the road. Yeah, they were out of the bus that they had rented, so they upgraded them to a double-decker that had like a upper front window. We got semi-lucky like that. The second Europe tour we did, we like rented the cheapest van, and they're like, oh, we're out of that. We'll have to give you the bunk one, which was sweet because we didn't have to pay (laughs) the extra fee for that, but that was just a van. Wait, so what is a bunk van Oh, it's like, like, so like it's a sprinter, and then it's like the two benches, and then over the cargo area is like 12 inches of clearance where you could fit like two people to sleep during the day. Wow. So how do you load your bodies into there? You have to like go in at like a 90 degree angle? You jump angle? up on the back bench and kind of slither in there and then turn around. Oh my God. Oh yeah. And there was also like a, a swing TV, which blocked half of it. So if like two people wanted to be in there, someone had to be behind the TV. And that was me one time. And I woke up after like a nap and I was extremely claustrophobic. I had Joe next to me. Joe was in the open area. So his feet could stick out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, he's a uh, prior guest, Joe Reinhardt, who was, of course, 10 feet tall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't even imagine being in there. Not to mention, if you're going down the highway, you're like flying in like a 60 mile an hour coffin, like if uh-huh. you only have 12 inches of clearance. Yeah. Oof. But a bus bunk is a little bigger than that. So the bus bunk was fine. I slept like a baby on that, on those tours, but not in a sprinter van with a bunk. That's very different. Yeah, I always wondered about that. Well, as Mikey can attest to a little bit, I think our earliest memories of a sprinter van goes long before we were touring because we're both from the same area outside of Philly. And there was an ECW wrestler named the Sandman who lived in his sprinter van who was just like in our neighborhood all the time. And I only knew him because I worked at Superfresh when I was in high school, the grocery store chain that no longer exists. And he would park his van in the parking lot and sleep out there because his girlfriend worked at the Superfresh with me and she was probably 15 years younger than him. But Mikey has a much more specific and and strange set of interactions with the Sandman. Do you care to share those, Mikey? Yeah, no, I mean, (laughs) it's fucking weird, but I can't even remember exactly how old I was. Like, I guess I was doing... Doing drugs at that age, so um, <laughs> I was five. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I was definitely in high school. But either way, I'm golfing and just by myself with random people, and then the ranger comes up with this person and is like, "This person's gonna join you," and I was like, "What?" Okay. And then we're just watching him, and like, I just was like, "Are you the Sandman?" And he's like, yeah, dude. And showed me all of his scars and tattoos. He had like the biggest tin toker, which is a, you know, an aluminum foil device for smoking marijuana (laughs) for all the parents listening. (laughs) Uh, Because I said that recently and people were like, tin toker, what the hell's that? I mean, we all knew. (laughs) And he had like a huge bottle of pills with like so many different pills in there. And I was like, what the fuck? So we played golf. We eventually broke off of the person we were playing with, played whatever holes we wanted to, and just smoked weed. He gave me a bunch of uh, Zanny bars 
And at the end, he like took my number and like wanted to hang out. And I was like 16 years old. And this is the the Sandman. You're probably like I 20 would, years I grew younger up than watching. Him. Yeah, like late at night, I'm watching ECW. Like these the real wrestling where people are like literally. I'm sure all wrestling is taxing on your body and. But yeah, like they're hardcore matches yeah, with yeah. like weapons and stuff. Like you'd see blood on television, yeah. like as a common yeah, occurrence right? on that. So this like hardcore, just like giant of a man is golfing with this high schooler and inviting him to hang out for further. I don't know. I guess golfing. I don't know. <laughs> In the future, mm. did he actually wind up calling your house at any point? My cell, oh, I had a cell phone. Yeah, he he did call me, but I never answered, and I think he just got the <laughs> the hint. So you, you ghosted the Sandman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the real life version of the Mickey Rourke, the wrestler. You ever seen that? Oh, I haven't actually seen that oh, movie. It's so but is, good. That, is, is that who it's it's based on? Is, oh, I don't I don't character? think so. But it just sounds like the real life version, just like on a lot of pain pills. Yeah. I mean. He, Kind of lived in the back of a van. I can't knock. I, I lived in the old Hoplung van outside of the warehouse for a month. So Really? When did you do yeah. that? Uh, 2013, I was between houses and we were kind of between tours. So I just lived in the van. I love that. I think you were living at the warehouse. I used to come in every every morning to brush my teeth. You know, Tyler, I vaguely remember that. But also <laughs> at the same time, there are so many people that just yeah, were there. Uh, all of the time. Yeah, I mostly just like hung out in the warehouse and then at night I'd go out and sleep in the, the van. It was an old conversion van that was yeah. broken down in the in the alley. See, I'm sure if Evan knew that was happening, he would have invited you in to like share his bed or something. I don't want that. Like I said, it was a conversion van with a fold down couch. Why wouldn't yeah, be I guess fine? That's a private suite. But it was like October or September or something. It was nice out. Oh, oh yeah. Parked those windows. Yeah. It, totally was, it was broken down on Randolph right behind. Mm -hmm. It was like right before we ended up getting rid of it. The gold van? Yeah. Oh, that was the end of the gold van, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just lived there for another few months and then I think finally got towed away somewhere. I remember that. And then came the era of renting your red van for a little, little while. You did that? Yeah, we used to rent the, <laughs> the Dodge all the time. Yeah, well, we talked about that last cool. week with, on the uh, Caffeine's episode. <laughs> That's the van yeah. that Evan named 68 that he wrote the song 68 about yeah. that was rented to so many bands yeah. during that time period. It broke down a lot on bands like us, Glockamora. My van broke down on you? What happened? Well, we had to get the bearings <laughs> replaced and the brakes and we had to miss a show in Canada. You're sure this is my van? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and then Glockamora rented it when we toured them on the Owls tour and it broke down in like Maryland. They had to miss a show in DC and they had to rent a U-Haul truck. I told them that the bearings might need to be replaced. And <laughs> if you hear it, you probably should no, stop. And then they drove through it and then they killed the yeah. axle oh. and then abandoned it in Maryland for a Which while. Which is funny because like we had the bearings replaced in Michigan like the fall before that. I think I was like, oh that was when I was living in the van. Was we rented that van living in our van. I, we rented your van to go on the Sidekicks tour and then the Against Me tour. Really? Yeah. And the Sidekicks <laughs> tour is when, it, when the bearings went in Lansing, Michigan. Well, oh, that's where my uncle lives. Oh. Nice little town. Thank you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Throwback to the Francis episode there. Thank you, sorry. The, oh, that was also the, the Sidekicks tour is when we went to pick it up. Or like you called me the day before, and you're like, hey, I crashed the van. <laughs> Do you remember that? You like crashed it into something and like busted the front out. Oh my God, seriously? Yeah, I had to duct tape. <laughs> it was like the front driver's side headlight. It made it to Pittsburgh or something. That was our first show. And then I like went and bought some Gorilla Tape and Gorilla Taped it back in and we were driving to Bloomington, Indiana, I think. And I was driving and it just flew right off on the highway. <laughs> and we and Mark and I went to a U pull it in Bloomington and found one and, oh and installed God. it properly. Oh I crashed the van like you like ran into like a little brick wall or something or like a bush and you just busted out the front headlight. Mm. 
my God. And we're like, yeah, we'll still take it. The only time I remember crashing the van, it was the passenger side that Maybe I Maybe it was really it was the passenger side because it went like into the into like the woods on the highway. I think Mark was like, oh, it just flew off. Like I just, like, just saw it in the distance. <laughs> yeah. I remember when that happened. Yeah, I was going around a bend too quickly, and there was a car that was just like stopped. And I had to slam on my brakes. I don't know. I was in the middle of like rural New Jersey, and there was a car just stopped in the middle of the road, probably because there were deer in front of it. So it was probably trying not to hit a deer, but I was still going too fast, and I like clipped the side of their car. So that's how that happened. But I also remember I did a bunch of damage to their car, which sucked. And I actually had to bend the frame of my van with a tire iron in order to get my tire loose so I could drive the van home from there. So after the cops came and after everything was figured out, I was sitting in the road with my tire iron, just like slamming it, using my tire as a wedge, just like slamming out the body of the van. I remember that. We also got a ticket in your van once too. Joe got a ticket in your van. So many people got tickets in my van. He was doing like super over the speed limit in Iowa. And we got nervous, obviously, because we we had all this open booze in the car and we were all disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) And then the cop didn't even give him a speeding ticket. He got it for like, because the van tenderly didn't have the front license plate holder. So it was in the dash. And he's like, isn't New Jersey supposed to have a front license plate? We're like, yeah, it's right here. He's like, well, it's not attached. I'm going to give you a ticket for that. But it was only like cheaper than a speeding ticket. So we couldn't say anything. And we didn't want him to open the back door because there was a lot of booze. You're sure this is my van? You're positive. Absolutely. I mean, we paid the ticket. We didn't leave it to you. Well, I mean, thank you. I, there definitely were multiple people that I lived with, namely Peter, who did. <laughs> you got a ticket in our, van, our old van, too. Dogs on Acid definitely borrowed the van multiple times. And I also remember one time, it was Dogs on Acid's first show in New York. It was like a couple shows with Joyce Manor and Glockamora. And I remember they parked it. It was it was in uh, Williamsburg. It was near where Mark lived, whatever. It was like mm-hmm. that venue knitting factory reopened right anyway we're there but i remember they got a ticket on the van and peter just came outside and crumpled it up and ripped it up and threw it <laughs> the street and i was like oh great How yeah that's that's registered to me there bud but i wasn't there i didn't see that i didn't right. know any of that so eventually i got a letter from you know new york that was like you owe all this money and i was like what the hell and nick was like oh yeah pete did that and i was like ah I think he did that with our van too. I remember he like came to someone after like six months. It was like, oh, that was me that got that ticket. Sorry. After we got like a billion notices for it. I mean, everyone was having a good time. I'm sure, you know, a lot of them forgot about it or just didn't think to say anything. <laughs> Alcohol. I'm sure everyone's having a good time. <laughs> I mean, I specifically was very drunk that night at that show. I remember Nate was drunk and got kicked out of that show. And I remember I got whiskey in Nate's eye and I think I put Zach in a headlock at some point <laughs> and there's a picture of like me and Zach and Arik like sitting down like looking like a pile of shit drunk in front of a bodega at like 1.30 in the morning I yeah that night was a shit show so like I can't blame Peter for anything yeah I would have been pissed that we got a ticket too but it's just funny that I was there and I didn't even know it happened for, for months God, man, I don't even remember just <laughs> borrowing the van. Well, I guess I'm not very responsible at. Well, what's funny things. is I thought I was going to be the one coming on this podcast being like, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, I also didn't remember playing drums, so that's probably not a good 
sign, but now I do because I remember the symbol debacle. I have weird selective memory. Same. Well, I'm sorry my van broke down on you. Oh, it's fine. I vaguely remember you guys using it, but I also don't still. Yeah, a couple times. I'm glad it served you well when it did, and I'm sorry it broke. <laughs> You do not have to apologize. Thank you for letting us borrow it. I feel like it never broke on us except for, oh, no, that's wrong. I'll let Mikey and Chris take it from there. I'm yeah, sure that's not true. <laughs> I definitely remember it breaking on us in Florida. Yeah, at 3 a.m. and we had to get towed. I remember all of us waiting at the side of the road and it was like pitch blackout and just like falling asleep standing up while we waited for the tow truck driver to arrive. Probably needed a bearing. Also, <laughs> let me just say this. all It needed bearings all the time. <laughs> Right to dodge about that. No, hold on. So... The other day, so I have a new, since, you know, we have a, a 1994 Dodge Ram van now. And the other day I went to go change the brake rotors. The way that the wheels in that van are are very different than any cars that I've ever used before. And the way that it ended up working was I threw the old brake rotors out and I put the new ones on. I went to drive it and the van was like, just like this horrifying sound. And I was like, what the fuck? did I do? And like, I was freaking out. You know, I had work the next morning, but it was already like 1 a.m. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I have to be at work at oh, 7. No. What the fuck? I have to fix this. I'm not going to get any sleep tonight. And then I like looked up. I was like, I've done brakes a million times. Like, what am I doing wrong? And I looked up how to do brakes on this thing and the fucking bearing goes in the rotor. So I just threw out the rotors with the bearings in it. So there were no bearings on the wheels and it was just a fucking rotor just scraping against uh. the fucking axle and that's what i was hearing thankfully i put like a fucking mountain of grease in there and like i only went maybe a hundred yards in the van before i stopped and went back jesus but, like, i literally went in the trash can looked in the back there were fucking bearings i pried them out with my hands and i just put them in the wheel and it's fine and it's been fine since and i'm like wait a second so you're telling me all i had to do to change a bearing was take the wheel off, wedge some shit out with the screwdriver, and shove it in and make sure it's straight and covered in grease? That's it? That's all fixing a bearing was? So when we were all young idiots on tour, if I just had a fucking case of bearings, which, you know, bearings are like, they can fit in yeah. your hand, the wheel bearings for a car. So all I would have needed to do is have a case of bearings in the car. You know, they're like $11 or whatever for a bearing. And I could have just taken the wheel off, popped them out, popped the new one in, covered it with grease. I'm done. Bingo. You could do that. Or you could just have Zach Robbins in your band. Elaborate. <laughs> Oh, dude, he is the car dude. He is just a, a car guru. He brings like all these like mechanics tools. He's like doing diagnostic tests on the van and like telling us that, you know, even though we have this light on, we're good and just coming to the rescue. I even saw a post the other day. He like, I don't know, he put like a windshield on someone's car. <laughs> something he had that old 80s volkswagen that i know he took care of which was really sick that car was awesome i mean i guess now we have oliver who is like you know the only yeah, reason right. i even uh -huh. know how to do anything on a car is because of oliver and how i figured out the bearing thing i was just always afraid of bearings because there's a tool called a bearing press and like you real in a lot of cars you have to like press them right into a specific place in the wheel whereas this van is the same design from 1977 and they didn't update it it until like right around 2003 when I got that new van. I'm curious. I don't know. Working on cars has really opened my eyes in an incredible way. Tyler, do you ever work on cars? Do you ever get into anything like that? I've 
tried. Like we've done a few repairs ourselves. Like back in Philly in the old car, the Lancer, we replaced like the fuel pump together and it just made the entire car smell like gasoline for like a month. But we did that. I did that too in my car. Same thing. When I was a kid with like my first car, I changed the oil by myself. But I've tried, <laughs> I've tried doing little stuff. Like I have a scooter that I've you know replaced the exhaust on myself and that worked for like a year, but it's back in the shop because I think I didn't do it correctly and it lasted a year, but then I think I broke something. Uh, I'm not very good at it. I did just get a new truck. I'm going to try to be more hands-on with that. Nice. What kind? Uh, a Ranger. Ford Ranger? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, well, and not new. It's like an 05, but they're smaller, right? Yeah. Let me tell you, that truck is known for being, you know, one of the most forgiving cars to work on. So I would say you got yourself a pretty good one to start. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. I found it online and like went the Monday that dealership opened. Oh, got so lucky because it was like on hold until that day. And I was the first Ooh. person to come in person. So I got it. Is it stick? No, I'm not. I'm not very good at stick. Me neither. I'm trying to learn on a Ranger right now. And it's the only car that I can kind of drive stick. So I was excited for you if you Back in my carny days, I used to drive like an F-350 from the late 80s that was stick. And I could do that one. But it was like, as long as you like had your hand just resting on the stick and let off the clutch correctly, it would just go into the correct gear. So you didn't really have to do much. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it was going on in there, but it was really just like, if you're accelerating, it knows to go into the next gear. It's probably cool. not good. Wait, before we blow past it too, you <laughs> alluded to something very important about your backstory that we haven't uh-huh. touched on. Yeah, I was also- Your carny days. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I forgot this is one of the earliest things I learned about you from Mark. He told me that you were formerly a carny uh-huh. and I've never delved further into it. Tell us about your carny days and I guess I, I, for the uninitiated a carny is a carnival worker a traveling carnival worker not just a punchline in the Austin Powers film wait what? what's the punchline he says uh, it's like one of two things that he's afraid of is carnies they smell of cabbage and they have small hands neither of which describes <laughs> Tyler no I don't even like cabbage. <laughs> but tell us about your carny days. So yeah, like my high school, like best friend and like the guy I used to play music with, his family owned a concession stand business. They did like pretty much all the state and, you know, some like county fairs up and down the East Coast. They would have multiple teams working. So like he and I, every couple of summers, we'd do like one like in like York, PA or like the Allentown, the great Allentown fair, whatever it was called. And then I guess the summer of like 08, we decided to go out the whole summer. So from like May to like September or something, like we just went out, bounced around the East Coast, sometimes working in the stands, but mostly just like driving trucks and trailers up and down to different fairs. Oh, okay. So you weren't running the uh, one of the skill games or something where people are trying to throw a hoop onto a bottle? No, no, no. Just concessions. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, just like little handymen that like relocated trailers and fixed things. They just told me to fix something and I would somehow make stuff work. Awesome. Should have learned something from there, but I didn't. Was this like the uh, precursor for touring for you? Kind of. Like I've always enjoyed traveling. So like, yeah, I love being in a new place all the time. So yeah, definitely. We used to just, we would drive like 12, 13, 14 hours without stopping. I've done longer, which was technically illegal because legally speaking, we were commercial vehicles, even though we didn't have our CDLs because they were under a certain weight. We were still commercial. So we had to have log books and way stations and all that. But sometimes you'd lie about that and drive 20 hours from Brooksville, Florida to Pennsburg, Pennsylvania. Wow. So by the time you're on the road with Hopalong, it must yeah. have felt like chump change. Oh yeah. Cause I was like, only like a year <laughs> or so later that I was like, Oh, a six hour drive. That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm not even pulling a Ferris wheel behind me. It's just a couple exactly. of guitars and a drum kit. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's why, I mean, I pride myself on being pretty good at backing a trailer up is because I used to back up 30 foot trailers. No problem. Do you often do the driving in Hopalong? Mm-hmm. The last few, t- yeah, like the last couple of years, I've just kind of, I probably stole the duty from everyone else getting the front seat first. I don't know why. I prefer it. I feel you. Oh yeah. Mikey drives like 90% of our tours. I just feel like, yeah. 
In my brain, I'm like, I feel like I will concentrate a little more than everyone else, even though I am packing bowls and ripping bowls. And- <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I dream with you. It's amazing to watch. No offense, Evan. I mean, no, I, I trust no, you. Evan, Evan is fully texting while driving, like, constantly. I know. It's terrifying. Know. Look, hey, that's not true. <laughs> At least I'm not tindering and driving like Mr. Tashin over there. Ooh. Hey, he's a, he's a married oh, yeah, man right. now, so that's not a problem he anymore. He is now, but on that last cheer up tour before he met his wife gee whiz <laughs> yeah right mm, you're Please tell me it was like a- knee on the steering wheel <laughs> left hand tinder right hand bowl yeah <laughs> i mean how do you raise up the lighter in that case you know what let's not investigate that any further <laughs> <laughs> no i trust mikey implicitly with driving mikey's yeah, a i don't driver. think i drive because I, it's not that i don't trust anyone it's just i don't know if i get like antsy just sitting in a back seat for five hours i don't know what it is it's something to do i guess oh see for me that's ideal because that's where i get the most reading done is on tour like i sit directly behind mikey when he's in the driver's seat i bring like three books or it's like buy a book for a dollar at a thrift store on the road and it's that's a dream breathe heavily <laughs> Oh, do you hear me breathing? Is that what you're saying? No, because I secondhand. Oh, you're saying from my contact (laughs) high behind you. I'm getting a freebie back there. Yeah, right. Chris, I just remember you constantly reading your Marvel app. Since you had the portable Marvel app on your phone, you could just rip through comics like it was your job. I had to unsubscribe from it because I realized that there was a point where I was at shows, like watching my, or not even watching, I was standing in front of my friend's bands on my phone, like reading old issues of Frank Miller's Wolverine and shit, like while I was in public places. That's what I remember you doing on tour. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm a comic book scholar now, but I uh, I definitely sacrificed my social life and my standing as a good indie rock observer for a while <laughs> while doing it. Not to mention, I tanked most of my college like courses. I mean, I did fine grades-wise, fortunately, because we were in a music program, which is a bunch of nonsense. But I can remember sitting in my physics class and just like reading comic books every day because I was excited to go to class because I knew I wouldn't be distracted from my comic book reading because I could sit there and open my laptop and read comic books for an hour and a half. I just played Age of Empires in class all day I just brought my laptop and I fucking would land with my boys in the back of the room we'd just just play Age of Empires and fucking that kind of shit rocked Evan you turned me on to video game emulators because of that because you would play what was that one Castlevania game Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest is that what it's called yeah I would play Simon's Quest too this was back when I was a gamer in my early 20s my late teens yeah and Bubble Bobble yeah I liked vintage video (laughs) games what can I say the first few days of college I just sat in my room and I tried to beat Sonic 1 and 2 on my Sega Genesis (laughs) with a tiny TV that I put on top of my dresser and then I think after that my video gaming's slowly, well, very quickly declined. You know, the last major video game session that I remember Evan having was when I broke my jaw and he came to my house and played Borderlands 2 with me for eight hours straight. And uh, of course, I, I couldn't talk because my jaw was wired shut and Evan was deeply focused. So there was like a silent eight hour span of us just like, you know, shooting at cartoon characters, essentially. And he finally stood up and he was just like, I can't do this. How the hell do you do this? I feel insane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, also, it sucks that you guys all know. You, well, Tyler, do you game? Do you play video games ever? Not at all. Yeah. Oh, so Mark's the only gamer in Hoplong. Yeah. When I was a kid, I liked to play Monster Truck Madness on my computer, but that was about it. Nice. Yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> I just feel like it sucks you in. That's why I don't do it, because I feel like if I played video games, I would start playing a video game at 5 p.m. and I would like look up and it would be 3 a.m. and I'd be like, what the literal fuck? <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. that. That's why I stopped. 
Yeah, it just like never really appealed to me. Like I remember asking my mom when I was really young if I could have PlayStation or whatever it was. And she was like, no. And I was like, okay. And that was it. Like I'd play <laughs> at my friend's house. I remember playing like Jet Moto or something, but I just wanted to play my drums and annoy the neighbors. That was about it. I think you got to revert to that, Tyler, at your new house and play your drums and annoy your neighbors. <laughs> the neighbors. <laughs> Good. I don't have a snare. That'd be really annoying. Just put some shirts over it. Yeah. You got shirts. They also make these mesh heads that are like way lower in volumes and low volume symbols, which I'm trying to get Mikey's looking. I'm trying to get Mikey to set those up in his basement. I know his basement's not finished, but the second that basement is ready, I'm fucking installing a drum kit in his basement. <laughs> Second that basement's ready for it, I'm like, here are these silent heads, Mikey, are going on. You're going to be running through the Mars Vault of discography in no time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but seriously, think about it, Tyler. It's very helpful. They're very good. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe something to do. Yeah, and you can also start now by first getting those studio monitors you've been avoiding. And all of your songs so far, you said are about 30 seconds. That's true. So if you just slowly desensitize your neighbors by only blasting like full volume 30 seconds at a time. You should put out a 99 song album like Short Music for Short People of just there all you your short songs. And that should be it. Yeah. Just Called Long. <laughs> <laughs> Short music for long people. There you oh go. my god. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> oh boy. Sometimes I feel like we're the dumbest group of individuals that has ever lived. <laughs> That's why we found each other. <laughs> I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, me neither. I mean I can't, so <laughs> I'm <laughs> Uh, Mike, oh. are you smoking a bowl over there? He's keeping it just carefully <laughs> out of frame. Little pen action. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a very friendly dragon. <laughs> like, <laughs> any sentence he uh, speaks at any given time can just have a billowing smoke coming out of his mouth. <laughs> but I'm getting good at muting, so uh, it's not like... <laughs> and then you know coughing it out if i know i'm gonna cough i'll mute i i think i i probably left it unmuted for my episode i probably should have been muting every just time like, i took a swig out of my coffee thing it's just like ice in the microphone but no it's totally fine i mean in the beginning when mikey was doing it on his phone you would hear just like mikey eating and like oh yeah rips, crinkly like, left bags and, right. and i was just fucking <laughs> just like chewing and like and I mean, there was the one episode we did with Mike Bell where we were all just drinking whiskey the whole time. So we tried to edit out as much as we could, but you still just hear like ice clinking. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. like throughout the whole episode. So you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Don't worry about muting. Mikey, I'm very proud of you that you know how to mute. I'm using this microphone today. Wait, did I mute it? Can you hear me? Nope. I can hear you. <laughs> how about now? Yep, yeah, I still, still hear, hear you. you. Oh, wait, I'm plugged into the microphone. I can just press the mute button on that. But honestly, Mikey, with your uh, cavalcade of mouth sounds, I always think about like releasing like a commentary track for like Half-Baked or something that isn't us commenting on it, but just like you opening bags of chips and smoking bowls and shit to give people a more immersive experience of what it's like to watch a film with you. <laughs> Rocks. We don't have a fart track yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll start like double micing myself, you well, know. That can be our clumps commentary track or something. <laughs> just just the fart track. I'm like my friend in backside. <laughs> yeah, for all the audio files out of there, we'll of course uh flip one of those mics out of phase like we're miking a snare drum. <laughs> Mikey's top and bottom head. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you really got yourself into a boner this time, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my god, I'm so glad we found Speaking that. Speaking of, I gotta pee out of my boner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, no pants. I love the Donald ducking that's happening with Evan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a shirt cocker. <laughs> he's uh, he's committed to the big shirts now. Ask him about it when he gets back. He'll explain it all to you. Has a lot to do with anime. I guess I don't really know what a shirt cocker is. Oh, shirt. Shirt cocker. Oh, shirt cocker. <laughs> that's a term that I heard. Uh, what do they call it? Like people go to like Burning Man. There's like mm. a whole crew of old guys who only wear shirts while they're there. Wow. They say they're shirt cocking. <laughs> Their shirts are a little shorter than Evans. But yeah, I bet. Yeah. I love it. Shirt cocker. It's, it's on the news. Can I say, I don't like wearing pants. <laughs> you heard the whole thing? <laughs> I love it. I mean, how I, loud I, do you think my headphones are? <laughs> Very. I'm deaf. Yeah, that's a good point. Evans is shirt cocker. <laughs> well, Tyler called it Donald Ducking, which I've, I also love that. that I did hear that. I thought as well. that was very funny. My wife calls it Winnie the Pooing. Uh, Yep. Well, the shirt, Winnie's shirt is always above his belly. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, uh, Donald Duck as well, yeah. Yeah. At least he's not porky-pigging it, right? Where he's just got an open front on it. <laughs> I feel like that would be uh, <laughs> bad. I'm not trying to show you my dong, you know? I just want it to breathe. I hear you. So you, can, do you, have any, you don't have anything on under that shirt? No. Okay. Living his best life. Yeah. yeah. Let it hang free. That's the point, That's baby. That's what I'm trying to do. I just looked up an image of Porky Pig to make sure my description was accurate. And not only is he wearing an open shirt on the front that does not reach his waist, he also has a little bow tie on. And I imagined Evan dressed with a bow tie and a fully exposed front down to the... Uh, you should consider, at least, you know, maybe for Katie's benefit, dressing like that once in a while. I, I would actually swear there's a picture from the ponies days of... Shirtless with a bow tie on. I can almost guarantee you that that exists. Yeah, maybe even suspenders. Oh, that's almost a guarantee, yeah. yeah. There is a picture of me wearing suspenders, a button-down shirt, and a bow tie, but I have, like, Ace Freely makeup on. Mm. I'm thinking very Chippendales style. That's what I'm picturing. I don't know. I looked like I was a Chippendales dancer, except I had Ace Freely face paint on. <laughs> That picture exists 100%. Good. Chances are I did take my shirt off at some point. So you're probably right, Tyler. There's more than like, you also probably were there. Probably. That was at Fest, I think. When, or not at Fest. It was in Florida one year. And we got all of our face paint done. And then the show got shut down before we got to play by the cops from a noise complaint. <laughs> but I can remember that we were supposed to all be members of KISS. And I guess plus, because there were seven of us. But they wanted to paint my face like gene simmons and i refused because that guy is a despicable scumbag <laughs> and so i got my face painted like a uh, david bowie from aladdin sane instead and so there that was a, a nice alternative for me <laughs> <laughs> what's going on over there evan <laughs> i was just remembering Okay, back to the cast. Tyler, you got anything you want to go through? You think of anything? I I can't think of anything. I got no new news. What about old news? I don't have any old news either. It's already happened. It's already been news. (laughs) And that's the danger of new news. It so quickly becomes old news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't don't, don't know. What have you all been up to? Let's talk about you. You know, no old news, no new news. We already talked about Evan's (laughs) moo-moos. Excuse well me, they're not, they're not moo-moos, they're t-shirt dresses. Right, right, of course. Moo-moos would be a lot bigger, and I also love wearing them. <laughs> well, I guess what's been going on musically uh, currently, I mean, you've been talking about working on your 30-second songs mm-hmm. and things like that. What's the scene like down in Birmingham? Like, How does it compare to Philadelphia? 
I mean, it's smaller, but it's it's cooler. And I, I, no, I'm sorry, not cooler. It's smaller, but it's cool. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Throne. I thought, yeah, Ooh, I thought you were challenging our scene. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, there, there's some great bands on here. What are some big ones that stick out to you? Or small ones or notable ones, I should say. I mean, Taylor Hollingsworth is a great songwriter down here. You got Lee Baines and the Glory Fires down here. I know Lee Baines. They're a Birmingham band. Yeah, and then, I mean, on the bigger end, you have like St. Paul and Broken Bones. That's like a big, more like amphitheater, big theater kind of band. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great players down here. Like almost everyone I can think of is like not only like great songwriters, but great guitar players, great musicians. And obviously Philly has great musicians too. It's just like, it's less punk down here, I want to say. There's like a a little bit less of a punk scene and more of like, I, I mean, maybe it makes sense a little more of like kind of more rootsy like even like the punk bands have a little more like roots inspired flavor like is there more of like a folk punk instrumentation crossover there too is there more like roots instruments involved like you not know, necessarily banjos I think you? you can just like you can always hear like a little bit of twang somewhere or like if not just you know more country inspired folk music but it's always cool to like go somewhere and see someone play like go to a bar and it's more like someone's incidentally playing more so than shows obviously there's a lot of shows but mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's cool to just like see great players out doing brunch somewhere what makes me think like looking back over our history of bands that we've known over the years they went from Birmingham but from Atlanta one of my favorite bands ever was the Long Shadows mm-hmm. and they broke up a long time ago at this point but Monty the vocalist had like a very distinct sort of like twang to his voice as well but otherwise it was like a pretty just like you know he, he had a soulful element to his voice but it was like you know a punk band yeah and it was such like an incredible like layer of combining different like influences just like naturally yeah uh, incidentally almost that made it really stick out to me as being a very cool band it's just it's wild how like the regions still have an effect like philly punk or indie or whatever is kind of different than like some of these more southern punk and indie bands that do have more of like a country influence or something it's interesting yeah and honestly there's something really really heartening about that too because yeah. we exist in like a time of like truly incredible rapid globalization uh-huh. not quite monoculture i guess the internet's left room for diversity in, in some ways but we all have access to the same stuff so it seems like it would be very easy for things to become much more homogenized and whenever you see that bit of like regional tinge to it that really makes it distinct and special yeah. in that way there's so much value to that now it's- that might have a lot to do with st- i mean it happens in philly too it's like sharing players sharing musicians like there's always going to be like a singular influence that comes from one person and all those bands sound different but like you share a guitarist down here that has more of a country upbringing or something they're going to add something different than someone that grew up you know up north with a different upbringing really neat to see yeah well we need more of that i mean i don't know where specifically she was from probably tennessee but we need more of that bonnie Raitt influence coming back into uh, indie rock as well there you go. that's what i'm looking for yo honestly the other day thing called love came on the radio at the market I listened to Bonnie Raitt growing up a lot. I loved Bonnie Raitt. I was like, oh my God, I forgot all about her. Dude, something to talk about is a fucking jam. I love that song. What I've actually resorted to as of late, this is a very recent development for me, whenever I play Call of Duty with my gaming buds, instead of the very toxic in-between round chatter that would happen typically where all people would say all kinds of horrible things, I just take my phone out, I pick a, something to talk about by Bonnie Raitt, I put the speaker right on the microphone and I just blast it through and I let everybody jam along in between rounds. It's all about those good vibes. There you go. You're not playing I Can't Make You Love Me, though? I feel like I can only push it so far. Once <laughs> once I really start to, speaking of incremental changes, once I really start to bring the Call of Duty crowd around to Bonnie Raitt, then I can go into some of the, the softer songs. Because <laughs> that song is incredible, but mm-hmm. maybe not for gaming. <laughs> I love that Mikey's laughing with a stick of beef jerky in his <laughs> mouth right now. 
<laughs> it's so good. Oh my god, it's the fucking best beef jerky I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Who makes it? Primal Supply. Oh yeah, there you are. You work there. They are fucking uh, getting high the on his own com. Primal Supply. Yeah. No, you know what I think is something that's really cool about Bonnie Raitt that I really appreciate is Bonnie was like 40 years old when she like really, well, at least the stuff that we're talking about, those songs, mm -hmm. she was like 40 years old when that stuff came out and that these were like, you know, big radio hits. And I think yeah. that is fucking cool. Well, that is a rare thing in music. Yeah. Well, I was actually, I was talking to Francis about this yesterday, like in so many other creative art forms, age doesn't play quite the same factor, or at least the age range isn't like interpreted the same way as who is too old to be doing something. Like they were saying so often writers who are in their fifties are considered to be a young writer or people who are, you know, in their like forties are considered to be a, a young painter. But once you're out of your twenties, you're an old musician. Like you're not yeah. part of a marketable sect anymore. And it's nice to see Bonnie Raitt as a great example. And especially now, too, I feel like rock and roll and indie rock in particular have become a very different animal where it's not your, you know, say the Britney Spears of our youth or whatever, where youth was such like a major marketing angle. So many great artists who I would see even go through boot and saddle, may it rest in peace when I was doing sound there, were in their 30s and, you know, in the 40s. And I even had a band of uh, the, one of the best consistent draws. I can't remember the name of the band, but it was a bunch of people who were in their 60s and 70s who are still just like a punk band doing like surf punk music and apparently they've been doing it in Philly for decades to the point where the vocalist actually had a heart attack scare on stage while we were playing apparently unfortunately he was just dehydrated but they called him an ambulance he went out and got checked by the EMTs and when they gave him the all clear he went back in and he finished their encore that's amazing. I mean, in the end, music's music. It's not about, you know, separating the artist from the art. It's not necessarily about who is behind it and if they like, fit a particular description of what we consider to be a marketable artist. It's the music that affects us is the music that affects us. Exactly. I know. And that's why I think it's so fucking cool that Bonnie Raitt, in 1990, she won four Grammys for that album for Nick of Time. I feel like it's deserved, you know? Like, I feel like it sucks that in music, like you're not really accessible. Like the old thing where they said, you know, Jay-Z's 28, he's too old. You can't promote Jay-Z. And then Jay-Z went on to be like this fucking massive figure in pop culture and music forever. I just love that Bonnie Raitt after doing it for like 15 years, maybe even close to 20 years. Cause I guess, you know, she probably started in the early seventies, I guess, but like no commercial breakthrough for almost her whole career. And then in the you know, once she turns 40 years old, she wins four Grammys and like gets recognized and shit. You know, she kills it. And it just makes me super happy to see that was a thing that could happen and still could happen today. I mean, yeah. you know, John Legend was a little older when he came out. I mean, he's still pretty young anyway, right? I mean, the National were older when they started getting big. Their fourth album was their first breakthrough and they were i don't know how they were but older than the classic indie darling thing i hate that term yeah it's true i guess john yeah. legend wasn't really that old either yeah same thing like 30s he's only 42 now he looks like he's yeah. like 17 he's always gonna look like he's like 17 yeah that's true but to that point though 30s is considered old for a oh, pop yeah. musician yeah i mean i'm 34 you know we're we're aging Wait, no, no you're not dude <laughs> Oh, I'm, you're 30, you're I'm, 33. I'm 33. I was going to say, I'm 34, and I'm pretty sure you're, 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 uh, you're younger than me, but maybe I'm 35. I don't know. I'm almost 34. My bad. We're well on our way to not being able to drive cars. Sure. 
We're going to have to hire the youngsters to drive us around on tour. Mikey's going to be driving. Look, we're going to be touring until we're dead, until we're dirt, and Mikey's going to be driving that entire time. Yeah, live my life by the wheel. I know. <laughs> I would love to do that. Before today, pretty sure that saying went, I live my life by the dairy. <laughs> I think it went more along the lines of, I live my life like there's no tomorrow. No, definitely Anyone? not that. Anyone? Mm-hmm. That is a Van Halen lyric, I believe. <laughs> yep, it's the only Van Halen song I reference ever. I think it's Live, Laugh, Drive, if I remember correctly. No, it was definitely definitely what I said. That song does rock. There, I, I know someone who has a theory that at any given moment, somewhere on some classic rock station in America, that song is playing. Running with the Devil? Running with the Devil. I only know it because they used it in a New Jersey Devils video of like their Stanley Cup championship. That was like the theme song that they did when they won in like 1995 or something. Mikey, what year did they win in the 90s? I don't know. That's super bizarre, though. In the context of running with the devil being the Jersey Devil, are you familiar with that thing? Like what that thing actually looks like according to lore? No, but I've been to the Devil's Tree. Oh, I, I see. I haven't actually. I mean, you're a Jersey native, so of course you've have more opportunity to visit there. But I'm fascinated with cryptids and the jersey devil is one of the more bizarre ones like if, if i remember correctly it has like a goat's head large bat-like wings and then like horse legs on the bottom with hooves and then very small like kangaroo-esque arms yeah this is a weird ass motherfucking looking thing are you I'm googling it right now? now yeah it's a <laughs> it's one of the weirdest looking cryptids and the fact that they're like choosing the song Running With The Devil, because of course in, in Van Halen's initial intent, they're talking about the big guy himself, Satan, but <laughs> if the Jersey Devils are running with the devil, that makes me think of the New Jersey Devil, which is of course, it was like the seventh son born of a witch who was cursed for something, something, and that creature came out of her. The seventh son of the seventh son. It's just fun to think about a bunch of hockey players running around with that thing in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing babies and shit. Oh. Tyler, out in Pennsylvania. Well, I guess all three of y'all are from Pennsylvania. Growing up in New Jersey, like, there were always... Did you guys have, like, weird PA or anything? We had that all that oh, yeah. weird NJ shit and, like... <laughs> Yeah. In high school, you know, all of our friends would take like blunt cruises to, you know, go do weird NJ shit. Like one of the roads that I would take very often to get to like Nick Holdorf's house or all of my friends who live on that side of town. One of those roads was known for like the 12 bumps. Like there were 12 witches supposedly buried there and you <laughs> felt 12 bumps as you drove over it. And like, you know, one day in earnest, we went over there and we all got ripping fucking high and did it. And like you could feel the 12 bumps and like at the end you know the one of the witches is supposed to appear or whatever but like all that happened it did spook us but like you know at the bottom of the hill a car really quickly turned and its headlights were on and we were just like ah! you know that kind of <laughs> shit yeah we did a lot of that growing up do you guys have that i definitely remember there being when we were younger it, it was called to my knowledge midgetville oh no, oh, I heard about this place. Yeah, there's actually a, a town of little people. It's near King of Prussia, right? I don't, I can't remember. I maybe thought that it was in Jersey. Yeah, that's supposed <laughs> to be in West Milford, New Jersey. That that was a weird NJ thing, too. West Milford is like the capital of weird NJ. So, yeah, I guess that wasn't even PA, but that was like. Isn't there that place like in Delaware? It's like supposedly like outcast DuPont relatives that like made this tiny little town in the woods and they're all like tiny people. I think they, I think they referred to them as pygmies or something, but like, so I, obviously it's not real because people can't be that small, but they like, there's all these like tiny little houses. And it says that they're like, like the, the mystery is like the DuPont family tried to hide their inbred offspring or something. What the heck? 
Yeah, that's just something I've heard. I don't know. I never looked <laughs> into it. I'm sure someone stumbled upon a weird treehouse and we're like, oh, all the weird DuPont people live here. <laughs> oh my well, God. Didn't Chris, didn't your sister date a DuPont? I don't know about that. I know that my dad's cousin was a lawyer for some member of the DuPont family. And because of that, before the controversy happened, he wound up with a ton of Foxcatcher wrestling merchandise. <laughs> Ooh. And so in high school, I wore just a free pair of gym shorts to my like fitness and gym classes that said Foxcatcher wrestling on the leg without me really knowing what the deal was with it. And finally, one at one point, my um, fitness teacher or coach or whatever, who was also the football coach for my school, pulled me aside and he's like, hey, do you know what the deal is with that? And I was like, no, I don't. And he's like, mm, you might want to look it up or if you're going to keep wearing those. Maybe you just turn your shorts inside out. <laughs> But I'll have to ask my sister if she dated a DuPont. Like we, we missed out on some possible uh, secret uh, forest pick-me access and maybe the riches of the DuPont family. I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah, we had some like weird roads that if you like went to this you know X road up in the hills and there was ghost sightings and all that. Nothing that I can really remember. Like nothing that is based on reality. Yeah, yeah, and I can't think of any specific Pennsylvania cryptids. We really missed out. I mean, West Virginia has probably the most notable one yeah. in the Mothman. The Mothman. Yeah, Bloody Mary. Oh, Classic. Universal. Local to PA. That's a PA thing? No. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there have been some nonsense Bigfoot sightings in Pennsylvania, but I don't think the big guy would migrate that far, right? I don't think so. <laughs> you can't all have the Jersey Devil or the Devil's Tree. Yeah, that's true. I wish. That's mine. I will say one time in Texas, I was a passenger I was looking out the window and I saw like a burnt dead tree and a large, beautiful tree right next to each other. And there was nothing else around. It was just these two trees. And I thought to myself, if there was ever a gate to some kind of like parallel universe or heaven or whatever, it would probably be in between those two trees. Oh, like a real Narnia scenario you're saying here. Yeah. Right. Did you go? Yeah. Fuck no. I just saw it and then I just drove by it. Hmm. Sick. I think I was out on tour with Warriors maybe. Mm. Well, it sounds like uh, next tour we go on, forget Foamhenge. Forget that weird dinosaur park. We got to go find those two trees and go on a little mystic adventure together. Oh, something I was also talking about yesterday. New Jersey had Action Park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our acquaintance Chris Gethard is a talking head in the documentary about Action Park. Yeah, I really want to see that. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Class Action Park. Yes, Class Action Park. Yeah, that's the name <laughs> of the, the documentary. Yep. I love it. It's great. It's so good. And I guess when we brought him up, you should also listen to all of Chris Gethard's podcasts. Like Beautiful Anonymous is like yeah. one of the best ones out there. Those are good. And he was kind enough to mention the Super Weeks on an episode of Beautiful Anonymous to one of his callers. So, uh, let's, you know, shout out to Chris Gethard as well. Thanks. Now we're finally reciprocating after all these Ooh, years. We gotta have him on a song. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yes, him, him and his wife. Oh, his wife yeah. oh yeah, loves our yeah. band. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll have to get them on a song. <laughs> I am obsessed with how this Jersey Devil looks. Now I'm just looking at pictures of it. It's, so I've never looked at a picture of the Jersey Devil until now. And it's just the wackiest fucking thing I have ever seen in my life. It's not even scary. If I saw no, that shit not. in real life, I would just laugh. Well, apparently it's, it supposedly has a very distinctive scream. And the legend actually goes back to even the founding fathers of that period of time in America. Maybe I should start a cryptid cast. That'd be cool. I think I, I'm, I'm cool. hijacking this one right now. I love watching documentaries about that, like especially like the Mothman and shit like that. 
oh yeah well that's my favorite one because that's the only cryptid known to use a phone <laughs> like <laughs> the whole true. thing is like he called and there was like a made a bunch of weird noises <laughs> like like reverse sounding speech and people were like oh this bridge is going to collapse and nobody listened and then a bridge collapsed and they're like oh it's this giant moth guy who used a, a rotary phone called it in yeah where did that come from like imagine if bigfoot had a fucking walkie-talkie i mean this shit is just it doesn't make any fucking sense Wait, do you think Bigfoot has a walkie-talkie? I wish if there was another layer to that legend like that. That would be amazing. Like, he swings his arms as he's going through the woods, and he brings a mighty furry hand up to his face and just goes, Breaker. <laughs> I approve of that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tyler, we've established a little bit of what you're working on now, but is there anything that you want to plug or anywhere that people can find you online? No, and no. <laughs> uh, I mean, Don't ever come to Alabama. <laughs> don't look me up. You know, if you like hop along, that's great. Appreciate that. Uh, we all do. <laughs> you know, we put out a record about three years ago. Great record, uh, still. Thank you. Every record a banger. Yeah, listen to that. You don't have to look me up on the internet. There's nothing to see. My last Instagram post was about a snake that I saw in the woods. That was about it. That was a long time ago. Nothing really to see. Don't do that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I screamed out loud because it was a rattlesnake next to my foot. Oh, man. I thought I was cool with snakes, but no, I screamed out loud like a scared child because it was big, but that's okay. Well, it, Good. you're not dead and- I'm not dead. You know, you, you survived the brush with death and maybe mm -hmm. next mm -hmm. time instead of a snake, it'll be the Jersey Devil. There you go. I would love that. Screaming is appropriate no matter what your age is. I, I agree. It was a big snake, big rattlesnake right on the trail. Didn't need to be there, oh. but it slithered away. Well, I guess in that case, <laughs> listeners, make sure you're all watching your feet for snakes when you're out in the woods and be sure to listen to some more Hop Along. <laughs> And maybe walk down a trail. It could be long. Ooh. A long trail. <laughs> not, the, not the best one. Not the best one. You might, you might, you might. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, there you have it. There you have it. This has been an episode of the Super Week Super Weekly Supercast. Thank you for being here, Tyler. Thank you for having me. It's been Thank a, you, Tyler. a fun time. Love yeah, you. I miss rocks. you, buddy. Love you guys. Hopefully I get to see you soon. Yeah, we'll see you in North Carolina.